unscripted premium Welcome to the funnest show of the week, folks. It's Freeform Friday on Unscripted with Mike and Chris, episode number 317. And this, if either one of us had hair, we'd let our hair down. But uh, this is the one where we have a lot of fun. Chris goes on to our Unscripted uh, MC Twitter page, and he looks in for comments, statements, whatever. And uh, he picks out stuff that he likes to talk about. We talk about it, and then we move on to another subject. Great way to end up the week. And uh, I will start a little differently, though, today because, and we won't take up much time, but I did see at the at the top of our Twitter page, there is a picture of Mr. Cherry and Mr. McLean. And it's funny, I wanted to talk about this during our weekly uh, episodes, and I, I think the world of Mr. Cherry, I think he's an icon, he's a Hall of Famer, he means so much to so many people. Uh, he's an inspiration. He's a lot of things. He's a class act, first and foremost. But he seems to have a problem with the Carolina Hurricanes and their celebration after home wins. So I, I do want to talk to that about that because, for one, I don't disagree with Mr. Cherry on anything. He has an opinion just like we do. But I'm just trying to figure out what his problem is with that. As I have been told, and the one time that I've seen that post-game celebration, it's after the other team has left the ice. The game has been concluded, and they do a little silly, little silly shit in downtown Raleigh, North Carolina, at center ice. But I just don't know why that bothers Mr. Cherry so much. But if anybody knows, please let us know. You know how to do it at one of our nine different social media uh, accounts for you to leave a comment or a question at. Please feel free to do so. But having said all that, I hand the microphone over and get this freeform Friday started with the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke. Well, Don Cherry, I think, is just concerned uh, that their respect is going to go out of the game. And, of course, when you have stuff like the instigator, which, you know, and just whatever else, and just a lack of respect in society, I think that that's a legitimate concern. And I wasn't going to start with this one, but this ties into it. So this is a soccer story, but this is for the win and for the win. But And I saw this, too. It's interesting. But uh, Chelsea manager Maurizio Sarri throws tantrum after goalkeeper Kepa Refuses substitution for penalty shootout. So the coach wanted to take out the goalie and put in, I think, the backup goalie for the penalty shootout because he thought that goalie was better, and the and this goalie refused to come out of the game. Can you imagine wow. in any sport the coach saying, "Okay, you're out," and then the player refusing to come off the field? Like, uh, first of all, uh, I would I don't know what I'd do with the player. I think I'd fire the coach because if the coach has no control over anything and he eventually just let the guy in there. Okay, you're impotent and you're useless. You like you've got to go. You're there's no point in having you coach this team anymore. Now I don't know soccer very well, obviously, um, but the principle is the same. Could the could the that coach could he have stopped play and pulled that guy's ass just off the field? Could he have done that? Well, I'm I'm guessing. I mean, they were. It's it's like if you're going in the NHL. It's like if you're going into the shootout. Right. Right. It's the same thing. And so there's a you know a couple minutes break there, mm. and uh, but I mean if the if the coach is on the field saying, I need this player to come out, you know, you, I don't know. Is it true in the National Hockey League that the coach has to supply a list yeah. in order as to if they go to shootout? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just wondering, you know, in, 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 in professional soccer, if the coach wants to get some guy 
off the field and he doesn't want to leave because he's a legend in his own mind or whatever his problem is. Um, I just, I don't know. And that's why I'm asking if you knew if they could stop play and if they physically had to even escort that moron off the field. But I I just wondered if that was an option for that coach to use. I don't know, but just in general, for me, it's just, I don't care what the sport is. If the coach says you're out, you're out. And and if, if, if the coach has no control over the team, but you also know this as we get older by day and night and every other thing, um, Times they are a changing in the wonderful and wacky world of sports. Yeah, from but... when we, when you grew up, when I grew up, there isn't there isn't as much respect between Claire and coach, and I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, okay, so uh, this ties into what we've talked about a couple times this week, so we don't spend too long on it or anything. But it's funny because this tweet is from two days ago, uh, two days before Johnny Manziel was uh, kicked out of the CFL. From the Buckeye Night at the Buckeye Night, uh, Johnny Manziel charged fans $100 for his signature during an event in Houston. Well, anything to bring, keep the money rolling in. Um, there'll be somebody dumb enough, you know. Um, is that true? Is this true? Oh, it's is true, it, yeah. Some He was charging 100 bucks for him. For his signature. Oh, my God. I, but I, I guess... That's where, why he got kicked out of the CFL. He's an idiot. Yeah, well, whoever whoever paid that is an idiot, too. Well, for sure. So. But there'll be somebody. Somebody from Texas A&M that sat there and watched them beat Alabama years yeah, ago. Yeah. Oh, my God. We haven't done it since Johnny's here. Here, sign this. Sign my boobs. Sign something. It'll happen. It's okay. Well, it's a good thing that uh, uh, Stephen Jones and uh, the scouts overruled Jerry Jones, and they yeah. drafted Zach Martin, who is literally the best guard in the NFL now. Yeah perennial pro bowler instead of Mr. Menzel. So that yeah. sure worked out better, as good as anyone could have possibly hoped for. Yep. All right, Deadspin at Deadspin. Last chance you coach told German player in texts about discipline, I'm your new Hitler. Yeah, I, I saw that, and um, poor choice of words. <laughs> no question. Statement. Poor choice of words. Um, you know, uh, sense, some sensitivity training may be uh, applicable there for that coach, but... Uh, Poor choice of words, and there should be some kind of punishment and or fine or both involved with that scenario, in my opinion. Fair enough. Busted coverage at busted coverage. Playing sim golf at Robert Kraft's kind of bar, and the guy who's there is just showing he's in the bathroom, and there are 75-cent condoms in the machine. How do you feel about that? You know what? I I said, and I texted you about this the other day, and I was talking to a buddy of mine. Um, When you're worth conservatively somewhere between four and six billion dollars as mr Kraft is why would you need to go to a massage parlor to get the happy endings i just don't get that i mean two and a half stars on yelp (laughs) out of five i just don't get that i mean i would think you'd have a connection or a buddy or a setup in every city if you need and i know his wife has passed, so he's not cheating on his wife. He is seeing some hot model, supposedly. Oh, really? Oh, She's like 39 or something. <laughs> of course. But that isn't enough. He's got to go get uh, you know, a happy ending at a massage parlor in Jupiter, Florida, and he's spending 100 bucks. Um, I, I was a little disappointed, but I was more surprised by this because I'm thinking Robert Kraft should have a friend in any city that he goes it's, into. Yeah, it's amazing how he's not even being a billionaire, right? But uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you should be you should be, you shouldn't even have to stop off in Florida on your way to Kansas City. I mean, you should have it on the plane like well, I told you. Exactly. If you've got some idiot out there that wants Johnny Manziel to sign a piece of paper for 100 bucks, there's a girl that will give some will give Mr. Kraft a happy ending if he gets if she's in part of his 4 billion dollar empire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
I, I'm a little bit surprised by this. And again, what gate are they going to call this now? Uh, are they going to call this massage gate? Are they going to call this uh, happy smile, happy ending <laughs> happy gate? gate? Happy <laughs> gate. There we go. The next, the next uh, uh, drama scenario for the New England Patriots, Robert Kraft having to go to a massage parlor in Jupiter, Florida. But something he barely even thought about, uh, honestly, could all of a sudden you could tie that in with Brady and Belichick getting old, and if he gets removed as owner, holy moly, you could see a quick tailspin for, for this type of thing. Uh, so yeah, I really believe if, if Belichick and, and, uh, Mr. Kraft, one resigned and one was forced out, I think that would make Tom Brady think about retirement real quick too. Yeah, it might. Yeah. And then we could see a real quick changing of the guard because without those three, that team is not going to be the same by any means. And no one will shed a tear outside Boston for that. Other, that right. Uh, other than all the bandwagon fans everywhere who all of a sudden, it'll be like when I grew up and everyone had a Chicago Bulls jacket. It'll be all of a sudden, oh no, I was never that big a fan, you know, whatever. But that does tie in with this other tweet here. USA Today Sports at USA Today Sports. The dinosaur barbecue in Syracuse set out to sell a jerk and pulled chicken sandwich called the Robert Kraft. <laughs> Oh my God! You know, I I do um, I do have to uh, send out condolences this week, actually, from Syracuse, New York. Um, longtime Syracuse basketball coach Jim Beheim was involved in a car accident mm-hmm. on Monday. Um, he was avoiding uh, a collision on Highway 690, which must be a bypass around. I know this because I build roads in a subdivision when I'm not taking tickets at the movie theaters. Um, Six Highway 690 must be a bypass around the city of Syracuse, New York, and Bayheim. After they uh, won their game on Monday night, I believe, was driving home uh, from that game at about 11:30 at night. He tried it. He had tried to avoid an accident, a previous accident on this highway, and in doing so, uh, he hit a gentleman. Um, I I don't know. I know he was of uh, Spanish descent. I don't know his name. But ultimately, this man died. He was 50-some years old. And we do want to send condolences out. Um, I've never been a huge Beheim fan. But Beheim has acknowledged and has cooperated with the authorities in, in Syracuse. They did, hell, they did hold a, uh, a vigil at the Duke-Syracuse game the other night uh, at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse, New York. 35,000 fans. Uh, showed a moment of silence for this victim. And uh, again, I'm not a big fan of Bayheim. Anybody that recruits and coached Carmelo Anthony has a few problems. But uh, in this case, the old coach uh, did the right thing. And um, hopefully that the family that this happened to will be able to survive this. This is pretty traumatic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, more from Deadspin here. What's So what's the baseball where they do the windmill underhand delivery? Is that... That's fast pitch. That's fast yeah, pitch. Yeah, that's okay. when they go like this. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. That's usually associated with women's fast pitch softball. Yeah, so women's fast pitch softball here is what we're talking about. Where that about. one coach or that one guy goes into the locker room seven yeah. times to <laughs> check his use, thing in the microwave. the microwave. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, Arkansas's Danielle Gibson hit a damn home run cycle. She hit a solo homer, a two-run homer, a three-run homer, and a grand slam in the same game. Oh, my God. The home run cycle. How's a solo that? shot, a two-run shot, a three-run shot, and a grand slam. In the same game. That's amazing. And you know what's funny? I have tried, and I was a pretty fair baseball player in my day. Um, not as good as my brother Dave, but I was okay. And I tried to hit a softball just like that, you know, and, uh, at that. 
I have I had more success hitting a baseball from sixty feet six inches than I did hitting a softball, which is closer, because that softball just it's upon you so fast you don't know how to do it. And I give great credit to the women that play uh, uh, college or professional hard pitch softball, hard ball softball, whatever they call it. Um, it takes a real skill to hit that softball and and uh, good on them when they do. But that's an amazing accomplishment. A single homer, a two-run homer, a three-run homer, and a grand slam all in the same game. That is amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know this guy, but it looks like he, I'm assuming he's a pitcher, but he's playing for the Indians. Mike Clevenger, on on his athleticism, if dogs had thumbs, they'd be milking nipples all day. (laughs) Clevenger is a relief pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, kind of the funny clubhouse guy. And uh, I, I think if you had it, a team, a successful team has a number of Mike Clevengers or Clevengers on it. Guys that aren't stars, but they provide a service in regard to keeping the guys loose in the locker room, in the clubhouse, whatever you want to call it. And every now and then, as a left-handed relief pitcher, obviously he can do a job and come in as, as a, in a speciality role to come in and face uh, a, uh, you know, a left-handed hitter. It's by percentages, left-handers have a better chance at getting out left-handed hitters. Uh, but you know, this guy will be affected if that new rule ever starts that you schooled me on in regard to they have to face at least three batters. This guy will be affected by that because he usually came in for one batter, a specialty left-hander to come in and get a specialty left-handed hitter out. Uh, that rule will affect guys like Mike Clevenger. Interesting. Okay, for the win at for the win, the one-and-done rule has always been dumb, and the NBA is wise to kill it. Absolutely, and you know what? I, I am of the belief here, and this all started when Zion Williamson got hurt last week when he, uh, 33 seconds into the North Carolina Duke game, his shoe blew out, and he, he bruised his knee, and now all these NBA guys were, were talking about they should quit college basketball, and they should do this and do that. Here's what a lot of them are going to do now especially the kids that are planning on that would have planned on playing one year of college ball just so they were uh, acceptable and eligible to get into the NBA draft which you now have to be 19 years old. The NBA has talked about a rule in regard to their G League affiliation is that if a player wants to come in that you know from high school he wants to spend a year in a G League they'll pay him $125,000 to play in the G League. And I think that's what a lot of these kids should do because they're taking away, in college basketball, they're taking a potential roster spot and maybe a scholarship away from a kid that actually wants to go to college, wants to go to university, wants to play basketball as a hobby, as something to do. But that person is there to get a college education, especially from a university uh, as esteemed as Duke is. I think it's a great idea. You get these kids from inner city. They don't want to be at school. They're only there because they need to get to 19. That's all they're worried about. How many classes do you believe that Zion Williamson is taking at Duke? You know, he may be taking underwater basket weaving <laughs> or billiards that Ronnie... Macrame. Macrame. Ronnie, Ronnie Harmon was an NFL back for years with the Buffalo Bills, and he came out of Iowa. And I'll never forget the day that he came out in his draft year and said one of his classes, his core classes, his last year, his senior year at Iowa was billiards. So (laughs) 
come on. Let's stop insulting us and telling and making making us believe that these kids are actually going to school. Let's let them get into the G League. Let them make a little bit of money. And then when they're 19, if they are going to be drafted by the NBA, that's when we'll find out. That's funny. Okay, Rob Perez at Worldwide Wob says, uh, Ben Simmons misses free throw. Nurkic, Nurkic yells, hell no, Simmons. You talk a lot of shit for being ass. <laughs> <laughs> that must be the guy from the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. Um, ben Simmons. Uh, no, uh, uh, for Portland. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, in yeah. Portland. You're right. Yeah. Um, ben Simmons is a, is a generational talent, and I enjoy watching him play because he reminds me of a Magic Johnson from 30 years ago when Magic was doing his thing with the Lakers. Ben uh, Simmons is going to be a very valuable commodity for the NBA, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the game of basketball for many, many years to come. And I enjoy watching this young man play ball. I think that uh, if Philadelphia ever lets him get out uh, of their contract, I think that's the biggest mistake, Philadelphia. If I'm Philadelphia, I'd let Joel Embiid leave before I'd let Ben Simmons mm-hmm. leave. Interesting. Okay. Uh, for the win, uh, Tiger Woods stuns golf fans with a disastrous four-putt. Tiger has played uh, three tournaments, I believe, this year. He played in San Diego, played in L.A., and he played last week in Mexico City. And the problem hasn't been the ball striking. The problem has been the putter. He cannot make a putt to save his ass. And uh, the funny thing about that is when Tiger was at his best before 20, 2009 and before all 2008 and 2009 when all this stuff happened, Tiger was the best putter in the world. And when Tiger needed to make an eight-foot downhill cross-cut and putt, he would make that putt. And I'll never forget when he took uh, Rocco Mediate to overtime, his last major championship win was the 2008 U.S. Open at Torrey Pines in in, uh, San Diego. I'll never forget when Dan Hicks, NBC announcer there, said, did you expect anything else when Tiger Woods made a 12-foot putt to send it to the extra day? Tiger Woods at his best? was the best putter in the world, and that's why it's going to be difficult for Tiger to win another major again. He can't putt like he used to. Oh, boy. Uh, Deadspin. Clippers broadcast crew jokes about what Robert Tractor Trailer's up to these days. Forgets he died. You know what this reminds me of is, I don't know if you ever saw, he uh, one of those super female shows like The View or one of those, they were interviewing Martin Short, the great comedian. Yes, comedian. Canadian. Yeah, yeah and yeah. so they were interviewing him and they were asking, like, uh, how's your wife? And he's like, oh, yeah, like the same or whatever. And uh, they're like, uh, yeah, you're still in love with her? And he's like, madly in love. Absolutely. And then, like, when they go to commercial, he, you know, lets them know, actually, she she died, you know. But uh, so maybe you should have done your fucking homework. But uh, he didn't say that, of course. Well, he was of course. Very, he was very nice about I it. I know but, this uh, situation. First of all, um, <clears throat> where this comes from, Ralph Lawler is the longtime broadcaster of the San Diego and now, of course, Los Angeles Clippers. And Ralph Lawler has been with them forever and ever. Amen. And there were times when the Clippers were based out of the sports arena in Los Angeles that nobody would have taken that job. Um, Ralph Lawler has been around for ages. um, But what transpired here is, but you maybe not know the backstory. Originally, Robert, uh, excuse me, Dirk Nowitzki, was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks the year he came out. And on a draft day trade, the Bucks traded Nowitzki to Dallas for this guy. This guy was a bum, piece of shit, just terrible. 
He ate himself basically out of the NBA and died because of heart failure before the age of 30. He was a star at the University of Michigan, but he's kind of like Zion Williamson. He doesn't have Zion Williams' talent, but he has the body type, and he didn't take care of his body type. He got fat and put so much pressure on his heart that his heart exploded again before the age of 30. But where Dirk comes in here is that the other night in Dirk Nowitzki's last game in Los Angeles with the Clippers, Doc Rivers stopped the game with 10 seconds left in the game and basically got everybody up out of their seat and gave a standing ovation to Dirk Nowitzki for an unbelievable career. But I often wonder, as a Bucks fan, what we could have done for 20 years of Dirk Nowitzki instead of three years and a rest in peace from Robert Tractor Trailer. Wow. Uh, ESPN at ESPN, and I showed this video to Mike uh, just now. But yeah, seven years ago yesterday was when I don't remember the dude's name. But crazy uh, man. Yeah, but anyway, the bowler. Uh, seven years. Uh, who do you, uh, seven years ago today? A legendary catchphrase was born, and if I can say it in his voice, "Who do you think you are? I am." Which doesn't even make sense. Who do you think you are? I am. But he was mad. Somebody had said something or called something out or something. He was mad at somebody in the crowd or a reporter or something. So he throws a strike and then he just freaks out like, yes, yes. And he's just losing his mind. And he's just, he's like an older dude and he's got the slick back hair and the weird glasses. And he just looks like a douchebag for sure. But yeah, who do you think you are? I am. He's an unemployed land developer. That's what he is. <laughs> he looks, uh, he's, uh, no, he's, uh, he's probably a lifer. Um, obviously a good bowler, and I just couldn't believe how excited he got over one strike. Isn't that the, that's the idea of bowling. I mean, I don't yeah, do it a lot, that, that's but that's it, the yeah. idea. Yeah. That's the, that's the conceptual scheme is to knock down all 10 pins. So you're doing your job, man. Well, when I was a kid, I was blown away to learn that professional bowlers don't get a strike every time. Really? That blew my mind. Really? Yeah. As a kid, because I was like, okay, you have to do one thing. Right. And you got to do it 12 times yeah. in a row. Yeah, like literally, if you throw a strike every time, you don't need to know how to pick up a spare or throw <laughs> or throw any other, throw, like get the ball on the far left yeah. only or, or the pin or the like hit the far right pin only. Like if you get a strike every time, you don't need to do anything else. Yeah. You just, you just get the strike and there's nothing else to learn. So I figured, you know, in the same way that, I guess, but I mean, darts is similar, like darts, the guys are unbelievable how oh, good yeah. they are. Yeah. Like they're unbelievable. Probably yeah. some of the most underrated I know maybe the most underrated hand-eye coordination on earth is is professional darts players, but uh, they don't throw the perfect dart every time. Right. Even the best guy doesn't throw 180 every time. Uh, but that blew my mind because you only have to do one thing. If you can just master throwing the strike, there's nothing else you have to do in the sport. And that just was crazy to me that that was not something that anybody had ever mastered where they could essentially throw a perfect game every time. That that In a way, to, to this day, like I mean, if I just dedicated my life and I just had to master one shot. Like, imagine if in golf, all you had to do was master, you know, this the uh, a flat 30-foot putt. And that's yeah. all you had to do. Yeah. I have to think somebody would kind of get there, like, or very close to it, you know? So it just, it, it's crazy well, to me. Happy that Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> happy Gilmore. He just drives the green and knocks it in par four, knocks it in on one. There you go. Can't do any better than that. You know my thing about bowling. Hmm. 
most disgusting thing oh, in the world bowling is shoes. bowling shoes. I remember that. Yeah, I, that's, most disgusting thing ever. Sticking your foot in that disgusting bowling shoe, unless you got a foot the size of Chris's. But if you got yeah. a size ten <laughs> like mine, everybody and their brother's been in that in that bowling shoe, and I think that's the most disgusting thing in the world. Well, I can try and top that for you right now with the takeout at the takeout area man tea bags salsa. So that means dip your balls in salsa. So basically what that meant was, I had to read the story so what happened. Basically he was a, a delivery driver and he, uh, and so this is, you know, with skip the dishes and all these things, yeah, you sort yeah. of pre-tip, right? So you don't have Correct. to pay at the door. So it was like a 30 minute drive for the guy and the tip was 89 cents. So he wasn't very happy, which I can understand. But anyway, so they're delivering Mexican and it's like his buddies with him for some reason and they... The pro- the mistake they made was number one shooting a video of the whole thing, yeah. guys dipping his balls in the salsa, saying like, "Oh, it feels so good" and all this. And then the second part would be posting it on a fucking Facebook, where everyone, including the police, saw it. <laughs> and I, I loved how this story, the article actually on the takeout actually ends with, uh, "The restaurant refunded the order." <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, what do you think is the most disrespectful tip that you could leave a waiter? Because you've been in that game for a long time. You're very good at it. I bet you got big tips because of your personality and your skill. But there are some that aren't as good as you. I ran into one last week that was just the worst. The food was cold. The food was not cooked. The order was improper. I want to know from you what tip to show my dissatisfaction. What would have been the tip I should have left? And I'll tell you what I left, but I want to hear... What you left. Well, what else left? It's tough as a server. Like, I mean, if the server does a bad job, then no matter what else happened, I understand a, a low tip, even if the food was good, frankly. Right. Because I remember when my grandpa turned 80, he came here and he was in Calgary and we went out for supper to a restaurant, to like a, you know, surf and turf type place. And he, my grandpa had good money and he was a fairly generous guy. He was from kind of an era where they didn't understand the service industry and tipping and everything. So like 10% was a good tip or whatever. But he left a pretty small tip. I forget what it was. But I was serving at the time, so I was kind of, you know, not that happy with that. And he, his justification was the wine was overpriced. And so I was like, that's not really what tip, tipping has no. nothing to do with that. And so I just, I hate to ever, like, if you have a great server and the food, something's wrong with the food, that's not the server's fault. Correct. I understand right? that. So, I mean, I hate to, for anything other than something the server was directly responsible for, I hate to ever de- decrease the tip. Uh, so, I mean, for me... Almost every time I leave a, a great tip, unless I've just been totally ignored or I hated the person. Recently, Martina and I went to a pub in downtown Calgary, and I felt ignored for about the first 15 minutes, and I just hated it. And so I think we, I let Martina pay because I couldn't, I would have just left zero tip is what I, what I would have done. And for me to do that means you right. really fucked you up. You were bad. But to really answer your question, the, the worst I've ever done was I was at uh, a, a pub in Calgary, and I hated the service and the server so much that I remember we were getting, we had some nachos and stuff. We we're sitting with a bunch of people. And uh, it was it was not only like lazy, crappy service by these, you know, girls that thought they were prettier than they actually were, but it was just ultimate incompetence on top. Like for one example, I like to drink Long Island iced teas. That's my drink. And so I asked for a Long Island iced tea and it took forever. And then they didn't bring it. And then when eventually they did... It was, they they brought me like some iced tea. I don't know, it was like iced tea with some vodka in it. Like they had no clue what a, right. ni- a Long Island iced tea was, right? And so then I went to the bar and then the bartender, another, you know, allegedly hot chick, also didn't know what a Long Island iced tea was and just had no clue. And 
There were a bunch of other things that happened. It certainly right. wasn't only this. Right, right, right. But I hated everything about this place so much. Our bill came to $54 and some cents. And I put a 50 on the table and walked out. Oh, okay. And I said, you can fucking chase me if you want. Yeah. I was furious. Like, yeah. and it's tough to do that to me. I am extremely forgiving. I'm extremely generous. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough thing for me to give less than 15% as a, like a bottom baseline. Right. But uh, this place, I literally, I put a 50 down instead of 54. I gave a negative tip. I ripped a banner off the wall and I kicked over a stand that was up there. I was... I can't even, I've deleted in my head some of the stuff that pissed me off because I was so furious at this place on every level. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> well, what I ended up doing, because, you know, I do know, um, you know, my affiliation with my brother-in-law who was in the restaurant business, and I always try at the very least to give 15%. Mm -hmm. That's what I try to do. This instance was so bad because the food came out, and I understand the, the, um, the kitchen is not always to blame. Food can sit underneath that, that lamp, yeah, yeah. and that's not the kitchen's fault. The kitchen has gotten their responsibility up and out. It's, it's the server's responsibility to get it out to their, their patron. My problem in this instance was that we had to have something sent back three times. Um, I almost got up and left, uh, but I ended up leaving a dollar. <laughs> I like it. No, hey, if you're trying to send a message, but okay, how was the service? Just the service on its own. The service was terrible. Okay, okay. So it's the not food just the, wasn't that bad, but it had to go back three times. Well, it must have been bad. Twice what? because it was cold. I understand on the first one if there was something like Judy's very what she can and can't eat because of her religious beliefs. Yeah. So you know I understand that part. But when it came back a second and third time after making the adjustment and it was cold. That should have been fresh or at least very warm, having come out and, and been technically, quote-unquote, redone, right? So my problem there was not so much with, this, with the kitchen staff. My problem in this case was the incompetence of this server. Um, she was rude. She was condescending. Um, I don't think anything that we asked was out of the norm. We were just asking for what we ordered for. And when we had to send it back three times, she wasn't getting something. She just didn't quite get it. And uh, I ended up leaving a dollar. That's in the message. I appreciate that. What was the, uh, do you want to share the restaurant you were at? It was a breakfast placed in Marta Loop. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. A okay. diner setting. Yes, I, I've got it. Okay. Uh, for their charge, I'm sorry, but no, they're okay. charging $17 for an omelet. They better get it right. Yeah. And if we give them, you know, we give them a do-over, that's fine, but not three times. No, I, I totally get it. Okay, the onion at the onion. And I just found this one right now, this tweet. New NFL combine drill places player alone in room with woman. <laughs> and how not to behave. Um, you know what? I am so tired already. And the, the, as we broadcast here again, I've mentioned this. We're broadcasting here on Wednesday, February the 27th. The combine has been in action one day and i am so tired already my friend of hearing about this athlete won't do this and he will do this but he won't do this and he's not going to do the drills but he'll show up what the hell is he doing there if he's not portraying himself you talk about self-marketing the best way to self-market yourself is participate in these drills at the nfl combine and when they say that they're not going to do this or not going to do what are you hiding from us 
Why won't you do it? You know, I'm so sick of the combine. You know, I used to kind of like the combine. Not really. I put up with it. But then I started hanging out with you, and I'm in the same boat you are. I think it's the greatest waste of time. Let's just have individual workouts at their individual universities, and we'll see you at the end of April. That's what I think. Fair enough. Okay, uh, last one. I'd like to end on the onion. Poor attendance at intervention, a real wake-up call. Oh, absolutely, especially if that intervention's in your name and you don't show up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have been part of an intervention. It a was real one? A real one. This involved oh, a cousin. This involved a cousin of mine that I had great respect for. Um, he lives in Kimberly, Wisconsin. Um, he was the cl- cousin I was the closest to, but he had an unbelievable drinking problem, and he had a uh, he got. And at this time, and in the state of Wisconsin, the drinking and driving laws aren't like they are today. This was about 35 or about 30 years ago. So that makes me in my 20s. And uh, I remember attending a one of these functions for my cousin. And I don't think to this day, and I've had a lot of emotional things happening in my life the last three years that I won't bore you with, but I don't remember ever being in such an emotional packed scenario as that. Because if, the, if this is doing what it's supposed to do, this person is really digging deep to bring up the demons inside of him that continually, I don't know what the word is other than almost making him feel like he has to drink and continue to drink. And when he got two DWIs, they're driving while intoxicated, that's what they call them in the state of Wisconsin. When he got two DWIs in the course of four months, that's when we knew we had a problem. And we knew then knew that we needed to get him together. And in credit to my family, it was on Jack's side of the family, in credit to this, there were about 50 people in the room. Whoa, that's And um, it, 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 it is still to this day the most emotional three hours that I've ever spent with a group of people that I'm supposed to be related to. So now when you do that, and I guess they're all different, but was this like... A surprise he comes home and you're all sitting there yes oh it, it's my belief yeah. you can't you can't tell especially an addict you can't tell them this is going to happen because they won't show mm-hmm. they think that they're vulnerable they're a bit vulnerable but then they feel like they made a mistake or they are beyond help or whatever they have some insecurities about it so you sure as hell can't tell him and once he got in the door my uncle locked the door behind him my uncle was actually kind of sitting behind the door. So when he opened the door, you couldn't see my uncle. But as soon as he got in, he slammed the door and locked it, ensuring that he couldn't get out. We didn't tell him that this was going to happen. Everybody just made a conscious effort of being there because we wanted to help this individual. I wanted to help this individual. I didn't do much. I was only in my 20s. What the hell did I know? But I was there as a support. And uh, I really learned a lot. But no, you don't. it's my belief you don't tell him because if you tell him, there's a damn good chance they aren't going to show. Everybody believes they're perfect, and when they find you're not, you're, you've got some imperfections, um, people become defensive, and they will not show up. And so my cousin walked into the house. There's 50-some people sitting there, and oh, my God, it was the most unbelievable, emotion-packed three hours that you'd ever believe. And, and uh, my cousin has gotten over this, and he's led a very productive life for the subsequent 30 years hasn't had a drink. So I give him great props for that. And I'm very proud of him. So we've got a run on this 317th episode of Unscripted, our free free forum Friday edition with my Kmart lips. 
Uh, We thank everybody. Hope you had a great week and hope next week is even better. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.